Hi there. This is Allison McGee, your host, coming to you in spring 2020. It's graduation time for our high schools and colleges, and what strange, adaptive graduations they are this year, virtual and celebrated online for the most part. I used to love to go to the graduation ceremonies at the university I taught at. This is a non-traditional university for working adults. Lots of immigrant students, older students, the median age is 33. Students who maybe started college when they were young and then took a, you know, 20, 30, 40 year gap. Lots of students who are the first in their families ever to graduate from college. And let me tell you, one of the greatest sounds in the world is an extended family, 40 or 50 of them, all gathered together in the back of an auditorium in the back of an auditorium and filling that auditorium with cheers and screams and whoops and applause when their relative, the first of them ever to get a college degree, walks across that stage. God, I love that. The graduations of my own children were a strange mix for me of pride and love and loss. But I guess I am not alone in this because I asked readers this question. Think back to your child's high school graduation, whenever it happened or is happening, and tell me what your strongest emotional memory is. The responses were immediate. Here are some of them. Two gorgeous sunny days, one per child. Magic hour light at the end of the outdoor ceremonies. My daughter's high school chooses two speakers from the senior class each year. They write their speeches, submit it, and interview. She was chosen to speak. This is something I would never do in a million years, and I was so proud of her. I still listen to this speech yearly. The kegger after party. Oh my, such a mix. The beginning of the end, although that was more after leaving her at college and sobbing a good part of the way home. At my high school graduation, It was raining, so we were inside, and I recall how a family friend whose college-aged daughter had died just a couple of months before in a car accident came to cheer me on. Joy. The beauty of youth and hope, and also the realization these children have no idea of how their path may diverge. Tears and fears. Joy. That I could escape my father's oppression. Less than a week after I graduated, I was on the road and gone for good. Pride. More specifically, felling. But if there's a word for what a parent feels when their child is proud of themselves, that would be it. Sheer massive relief. We got a good seat right on the aisle in the field. When I saw him walk down in his cap and gown and flower lay with a huge smile on his face, boom! Everything I had done for him as a mother was summed up in that moment. Gratitude that my husband, who was dying of cancer, was able to make it to the ceremony. He was sprung from the hospital that day to see our son graduate. Gratitude that my family rallied en masse for our daughters two years later to help fill a void. Sheer massive relief. Love, an overwhelming sense of love and life all that was to come for them. Deep satisfaction and a sense of pure joy when each of my four children walked the walk to pomp and circumstance. Pride in their hard-won accomplishments 
and their own self-pride, joy in their joy, and a deep feeling of poignancy at the recognition that a childhood chapter was ending. I love listening to these responses. There's a thread that runs through all of them that makes me feel less alone in the bittersweetness of it. That others too have that feeling of, wait, what just happened? Weren't you just born? Wasn't I just staying up late to fold laundry and make lunches and wash dishes and then stand in the doorway of your bedrooms watching you sleep and then falling into bed myself and getting up at 4.30 before you were awake so that I could try to write books? And now what? You're graduating from high school? You're leaving home? But what about all the things I still want to do with you? All the places I wanted to take you? What about all that time I thought we'd have someday, when somehow the busyness would lessen, would soften, would go away? And now you're going away. Here's something I wrote when my older daughter graduated from high school and that blur of years was upon me and the thought of her leaving was a physical pain in my heart. In the beginning, there was the pink backpack, miniaturized for a kindergartner's small frame. In the backpack was a brown paper bag lunch, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, an apple, a granola bar, and a note on a scrap of white paper. No words. This was a kindergartner who didn't yet know how to read. Just a smiley face and X's and O's. In the beginning, there was a photo of a little curly-haired girl getting off the school bus on that first day, huge smile, running up to her tall mother and throwing her arms around her legs. In the beginning, there were days and days when the kindergartner demanded elaborate hairdos of her non-hairdo-doing mother, multiple pigtails, barrettes, braids, butterfly clips. In the beginning, there was the year or three of striped shirts and flowered pants and polka dot socks. Always, there was the brown paper lunch bag. There were brief forays in a school lunch, forays which usually happened after careful study of the week's forthcoming school lunch menu. Italian dunkers, that was a good one. Pizza day, another good one. But the forays were brief, and then it was back to the brown paper lunch bag. Years passed. And each fall brought with it a regular size backpack in a different color, shopping bags full of requested school supplies for an underfunded public classroom, an agenda book covered over with hearts and flowers and swirly patterns and the names of all her friends. Years passed, and so did the demands for a different hairdo each day. 
Soccer and tennis entered into the picture, along with the two-wheeler, the rollerblades, the ice skates, the skis. The brown paper bag still held the usuals. A granola bar, a piece of fruit, cut-up carrots or bell pepper, a cookie or two, a sandwich, peanut butter and jelly, turkey and cheese, a cream cheese and pickle roll-up. The mother made the brown paper bag lunches late at night or in the early morning while the girl was still asleep. Sometimes she turned on NPR, those soothing early morning voices muttering on about the weather, the wars, the stock market. Sometimes she worked in silence, the paper bag open on the counter behind the heavy wooden cutting board. Wash the apple, bag the sandwich. Which kind of granola bar today, chewy or regular? The tiny notes continued for years. Good luck on the history test. Have a happy day. I'll see you at Poetry and Punch. Until one day, the mother sensed that maybe it was time to stop sending notes in the lunch. That maybe the girl was a little too old now to want her friends to see her with a lunch note from her mother. But the brown paper bag lunches continued, and the mother still made them. Occasionally, this fact became known. Wait, your mom still makes your lunch? Yep. The girl liked her mother to make her lunch, and the mother, although she would not always admit it, liked to make her daughter's lunch. The years went by, and then came a day in spring, when the girl came zipping down the stairs. I'm late, I'm late, she sang, I need my lunch. And she plucked up the brown paper bag from the kitchen table and raced to the front door. Then she turned, tall girl, with those hazel eyes and those dark curls tumbling down her back, and looked back at the mother standing in the kitchen doorway. This is my last school lunch, she said. Confusion and wonder spread over her face. This is the last school lunch you'll ever make for me, isn't it? The mother nodded. Later. When she opened the brown paper bag, the girl would find one last note inside, buried at the bottom beneath the bag of peeled and sliced carrots. There can never be enough poems for teachers, in my opinion. The kind of teachers who anchor their lives around their students. The kind of teachers who see something in those faces. A hidden spark and know how to coax it forth. I think it's the most important work in the world, working with children. And this poem prompts for high school teachers who write poetry by Dante DiStefano gained a permanent place in my heart the very first time I read it. Prompts for High School Teachers Who Write Poetry by Dante DiStefano Write about walking into the building as a new teacher. Write yourself hopeful. Write a row of empty desks. Write the face of a student you've almost forgotten. He's worn a Derek Jeter jersey all year.
Do not conjecture about the adults he goes home to or the place he calls home. Write about how he came to you for help each October morning his sophomore year. Write about teaching Othello to him. Write wherein of entres vasts and deserts idle, rough quarries, rocks and hills whose heads touch heaven. Write about reading his obituary five years after he graduated. Write a poem containing the words common, core, differentiate, and overdose. Write the names of the ones you will never forget. Jenna, Tiberius, Heaven, Megan, Tanya, Kingsley, Ashley, David. Write Matty with nobody's baby tattooed in cursive on her neck, spitting 16 bars in the back row as little white Mike beatboxed candy shop and the whole class exploded. Write about Zuli and Nelly, sisters from Guatemala, upon whom a thousand strange new English words rained down on like hail each period, and who wrote the story of their long journey on La Bestia through Mexico, for you, in handwriting made heavy by the Aquis and Ayers ached in their knuckles, hidden by their smiles. Write an ode to Loose Leaf. Write elegies on the nub nose of a pink eraser. Carve your devotion from a number two pencil. Write the uncounted hours you spent fretting about the ones who cursed you out from keeping order, who slammed classroom doors, who screamed, You are not my father, whose pain unraveled and broke you, whose pain you knew. Write how all this added up to a life. Well, that is it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked it, please tell a friend. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you are so inclined, we would love it. And by we, I mean me. (laughs) It's always just me. Um, You can give us a good rating. Original theme music for our show is, is composed and performed by Dylan Parisi, who can be found on Instagram at dylan.field.parisi. P-E-R-E-S-E. Additional music composed and performed by musician Kelly Krebs. Poet Dante DiStefano's beautiful poem was read by both me and writer and voice actor Luke O'Brien. Prompts for high school teachers who write poetry originally appeared in the Academy of American Poets Poem a Day series and is used with kind permission of the poet. Words by Winter is created and hosted and written and produced and directed (laughs) by me, writer Allison McGee. Tell me what you're going through, what uncertainties or troubles you're dealing with, maybe in the silence of your own mind and heart. Let me know, and I will go in search of a poem to help you through, to help all of us through, the way poems have been helping me ever since I was a little girl. Sometimes life feels too hard, too intense, just too much. And if that's where you are right now, whoever or wherever you are, reach out. You can send me a voice memo via email to wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com 
or just drop me a note at the same address, which again is wordsbywinterpodcast at gmail.com. For more information, go to alisonmcgee.com and click on the Words by Winter podcast page. Words by Winter, conversations, reflections, and poems about the passages of life, because it is rough out there, and we got to help each other through. <laughs>